Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. This is a step of faith for us. I hate the outdoors. (laughs) I need air conditioning. (laughs) (laughs) Tim and Tom are not kind of city slickers. They are the meaning of city slicker. You guys got the belt buckles. What's up, man? I gotta shake what my mama gave me. Come in! My life was on the line, man. Ah! I want to go to church in New Jersey. All righty. Welcome, everybody, to Big Fish. Pastor Tim, Pastor Tom, you guys know him? My brother from another mother. We are back from Oklahoma. Back to, yes. Good to be back in New Jersey. It is so good to be back. But we do, <laughs> it's good to be back. But we do have to welcome our hillbilly friends, Skipper Jackson, Dusty Dina, Chuck Woo. Mary Jane. Welcome our Redneck yeah. Brothers. Yeehaw. We're glad you're watching, listening, yeah, and I'm thrilled that you guys are here. Probably need to explain how this all kind of came about. Um, a few months ago, I said, hey, Tom, it's going to be summer. Why don't we do a little fishing together, kind of yes. male bonding, the great outdoors. And you were excited about it. I remember being no, excited. No, actually, I wasn't excited at all. I, no. I, you weren't excited about a little adventure? Uh, no, I believe my exact words were, uh, no, thank you, Tim. I don't want to go. I took that as a yes. And, uh, and we kind of went from there, and it was amazing. We went down to Oklahoma to appear on the show, Hillbilly hand fishing. How many of you have seen that show? You're familiar oh, with it, boy. okay? Yeah, good times. Oh, it's this reality <laughs> show on Animal Planet where a couple of good old boys, that's Skipper and Jackson, they introduce city slickers to the art of noodling. Noodling is basically this form of fishing where you stick your bare hands and feet Oof. into a abandoned oh. beaver hole that's not abandoned. It actually has in it, hopefully, a giant catfish like this. Take a look at this bad runner. Mm. Now, this is only about 14, 15 pounds but they can get up to 50 to 70 pounds. Mm-hmm. And the idea is you're not using bait or rod or anything. You just stick your hand in there and it's guarding its exit. It goes whoop and it nails you. I don't know if you can see this, but it's not like they have teeth or fangs, but it's like kind of like a, a nail file, like real, like raised sandpaper. Ugh. And they wriggle on it and everything. And you kind of kind of pull that thing out. And, uh, and getting bit by one of these is a thrill, right? Tommy, this is like kind of exciting. This was. No, I wouldn't use the word exciting, no. What, what word would you use? What uh, is? Painful, Tim. Okay, it was painful. painful. Painful comes to mind. It is slimy. You're going to have a chance. Actually, we're going to have this after the service. You want to get your picture taken. Oh. You want to ki- kiss the fish. This thing is amazing. Oh. Uh, here's the deal. I watched this show uh, with my kids, and they were like, Daddy, it would, how fun would it be to go noodling and everything? And I was like, I've been looking for a leadership development exercise for our pastoral staff. And, uh, and so I thought this is you know, perfect, like face your fears, go in the dirty water. And, uh, and so we contacted them. But the show, because it's so popular, yeah. now... You still are like, no, oh, dude. <laughs> they're booked like years in advance. And, and so we're like, oh, too bad. They're like, yeah, but would you guys be interested in being on the show? Yeah. And so we did a Skype call with the producers of the show. And it was hilarious because they asked Tom, they're like, tell us why you want to be on the show. I'm like, no, I don't want to be on the show. <laughs> I, I don't like fishing and I hate the outdoors. Uh, no. And the casting director goes, perfect. That's exactly <laughs> what we're looking for. 
and, story uh, of my life. So we ended up on the season premiere. It was a once-in-a-lifetime experience, wouldn't you uh, say? You have to admit. Yeah, I will agree with you there. Once-in-a-lifetime experience, because I'm never going again. <laughs> <laughs> they paired us up, basically, with a couple of female hunters from Ohio. They, uh, they're bow hunters. They're Amazonian they, women. They've shot scary. Uh, Amazonian women. They've shot Kodiak bear. They've shot alligator, wild boar, et cetera. Crazy, yeah. And we get off the plane. They're dressed in camouflage. This is like we normal wear for them. Yeah, we're like, <laughs> let me guess, are we the city slickers? Uh, and here's what went down when we arrived. Mm, mm, mm. And when two preachers from New Jersey have their faith oh, tested, oh, oh, they oh, start oh, speaking oh, in tongues. <laughs> this crew thinks they know noodling. <laughs> but I've got a catfish side surprise for them on Hillbilly Handfishing. We're from Jersey, man. Big hair. That's that's how we roll. Last, Big Fish Adventures get some divine intervention from Tom and Tim, two pastors from New Jersey. Morristown, New Jersey. It's where Jesus lives. It's true. It's promised land. <laughs> how we can live a life of miraculous blessing. Father God, you are such a good God. This is a step of faith for us. I hate the outdoors. <laughs> I need air conditioning. Animal phobias. I have lots of animal phobias. I don't like animals. We've got on our side. We're going to get the biggest fish there. Tom's never been fishing before in his life, so I think we're going to have a breakthrough weekend. When I was told that there's going to be lots of fish and noodling, I thought it was a sushi buffet. I didn't know it was like uh, hunting. I didn't know it was fishing. Hey, what's hey, going on? How's it going, man? I'm Skipper. How's it going, Tom? What's up, boss? Tim and Tom are not kind of city slickers. They are the meaning of city slicker. You guys got the belt buckle. What's up, man? The size of Jackson's belt buckle. <laughs> it was like a dinner plate. Jersey strong. <laughs> now, I'll be on, in honor of Jackson uh, today, I was going to wear, I actually put on a big, like, Western belt buckle, and my wife saw me with my flip-flop. She's like, go back in the house. You cannot <laughs> Thank God. do that. But I, I, have to, I have to head it to Tom. Dude, you are way out uh, of your comfort zone. Uh, yeah. Guys, I just have to say, I was a complete fish out of water. I don't know if you could tell, uh, but seriously, I mean, now that uh, I had a big epic meltdown on a high-definition TV that is going to be archived forever, I'm so proud of that, not. But guys, it's just crazy. I'll be honest, I was totally terrified. I mean, you saw, I was, I was genuinely scared. I mean, they push you down into this hole. You're like 10 feet deep, like the hole is, and I'm start cramping up, and this thing is chomping at me. And I, guys, I said words that I don't normally say. Uh, I would agree. I am not proud of that for, uh, for a second, okay? I, I, I use language that I, I'm just, I, I just, I let myself down. I let my kids, my mom keeps calling me. Why did you do that? Guys, I let you down. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me for my language, guys. I'm just. We have grace for Pastor Tom. We have, we have, just, we have grace for Tom. Thank you. I, just, uh, I think we have a little grace for Tom. You guys know at Liquid, we say no perfect people allowed. Uh, there are no pa perfect pastors either. I think we've <laughs> amplified that. So yes. uh, we. This is, um, yes. this is part of, you know, being human, taking uh, risks, living out the gospel. We're thankful for grace. God can still use imperfect people. And, and, and we, love your, we love you, Tom. We know your heart. Can we hear from Pastor you. Tom? Uh, We're grateful for you. Thank, thank you for stepping out, you know, beyond your comfort zone, what you're comfortable. Uh, believe it or not, there was a greater purpose uh, to this than just embarrassing ourselves on national television. Uh, on our preaching calendar, we had scheduled a sermon series on the book of Jonah. And uh, almost everybody has heard, like, you know, the greatest fish story of all time. Mm -hmm. Jonah's the Old Testament prophet, right, who gets, who gets swallowed by, you know, this whale named Fudgy. And, um, <laughs> and, 
And it's, it's, it's one of those things where like, pe- people think like it's a kid's story. And, and you, know, you talk about the Bible like it's this thing that happened in the past. Mm. But it's another to kind of live out that reality in the present. And we, oh, yeah. we kind of were like, let's do some hands-on research. When this opportunity came along, like, what is it like to get swallowed by a big fish literally? How yes. scary is this? And we had a Jonah moment where we yes. each shook our head and we're like, we should not be here. This was a very bad idea. <laughs> bad uh, choice. And wanted to yeah. run the other way. Because that's what the story of Jonah is about. Jonah mm. was actually a preacher who God called to step out of his comfort zone and go on the special mission. Mm-hmm. And he was like, uh, thanks, God, but no thanks. And he ran the other direction. He was like, no way, God, that's nuts. That's crazy. Yeah. And his story and our story, I hope your story, I think they intersect in a very yeah. compelling way. So let me invite you to take out your Bible. Turn mm. to page 644. Awesome. We're going to look at the book of Jonah. As you're doing that, I think i got to take this back. It's you're like starting to stink. Start, put that there. on it. Yeah. I'll tell you, why don't you take the fish? I'll keep the net. Go ahead. You, oh, you take sure. that fish. Gee, this is exactly like what I happened said, in Oklahoma. Like I said, you're going to have a chance after today's service, get your picture nah. taken, <laughs> taken, kissing the fish. And if it's your first time with us, we are thrilled you're here. If, you, if you're new, you don't have a Bible, steal ours. That's what the Bible's for. Take it with you because we believe this really applies to life. And here's the deal. Jonah is a short book. It's only four chapters long. Uh, even if you haven't been in church much, you're probably familiar with the basics of the story. Uh, everyone knows as like the big fish story, this guy named Joe or Jonah. Uh, he, 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 when God gives the mission, he jumps on this boat, goes in the other direction. He's swallowed by this whale. He, uh, he's at the bottom of the sea. He lives in a pineapple with his best friend, Patrick. And uh, that's another kid's story. Jonah's not a kid's story. That's the thing. Everybody's like, oh, that's the kid's fish story. No. This is actually a historical account that is recorded in Scripture to teach us some very important stuff about life. We're going to learn stuff that's about ourselves, what it's like to actually face our fears, and what happens when we run from God sometimes, and actually how we can find our way back if you feel like you're lost or you've been kind of drifting spiritually. So don't take my word for it. Let's read Jonah's story, see how it applies to us. We'll just look at the first few verses today. So look at this, Jonah 1, starting with verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and what? Preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. And just stop right there because a little bit of background about Nineveh is probably helpful to you. Uh, Nineveh was not rural Oklahoma. Um, This was a big city. It was one of the largest cities in the ancient Middle East. It was actually the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And the Ninevites were people who were notorious for their cruelty. It's why they say great wickedness. It's like people living in Cleveland. And uh, they, the Nineveh, the Assyria, they were the sworn enemy of Israel. If you were a good, a God-fearing Jew, you prayed for the Assyrians' destruction. You wanted them wiped out. The Hebrews, God's people, hated the Ninevites. And verse 1 says their wickedness came up before God. In other words, he, he riveted his attention on it. And then he gives this word to Jonah. Jonah is a prophet. It just means he's a preacher. He's a guy who God handpicks. And he says, I want you to communicate my message to these people. And his name is significant. The Hebrew name for Jonah means dove or peaceful one. So the message is that God wants to bring peace to this very violent city, to this godless people who want nothing to do with the God of the Bible. But God says, Jonah, I want you to go to them. I want you to actually reach out to these guys with my message of hope and forgiveness and new life to the Ninevites. So one of the first things that Jonah teaches us about being in a relationship with the living God is that sometimes God will ask you to do things you don't want to do. Amen? If you're taking notes, this is just our first learning. It's very important because your God-given assignment in life may be different than a Hebrew prophet from 3,000 years ago. I get that. But truth be told, there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us, isn't there? 
we, we, we all like the idea that God speaks to, to his, his, his people. That's why we pray, right? We say, we say, you know, God, show me what to do. Which way should I go? How do I handle this situation? And, and we like this idea that God can speak to me through, through his word. He can speak to me through his spirit. He can speak to me through other believers. But what happens when God speaks and tells you something you don't want to hear? <laughs> what, what happens when he tells you to do something you don't want to do? Well, if you're like Jonah, you run. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to Nineveh, preach against it. But Jonah, what? He ran away from the Lord, and he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish. Let's say it together, to flee from the Lord. So, so Jonah is this, this preacher who won't preach, and he's a man on the run. God says, I want you to step outside your comfort zone and go here. And Jonah's like, okay, I'm going there. He does a 180. And this is very interesting because a lot of people I talk with, they think that being a Christian means that now you live this very safe, predictable, little, perfect religious life. But the truth is, a life of authentic faith is largely about what happens when God calls you out of your comfort zone to go into a situation where the outcome is uncertain or even downright dangerous. See, there's a reason that Jonah did a 180 and ran the other way when God said, go to Nineveh. The Ninevites, as I said, they were legendary for their cruelty and their violence, and they were actually the original terrorists of the Middle East. That's not hyperbole. They were not only known for their terror, but for torture. Check this out historically. When the Assyrian army conquered a city, they would actually decapitate their enemies and build a pyramid of human heads in front of the city gates. That was like their calling card, like, like the Ninevites have been here. If there were survivors, they would skin them alive, bury them in the desert up to their necks, and then put a stake through their tongue so that as they were dying of thirst, they'd kind of go crazy. And all through the night, they would make them listen to that song, Call Me Maybe, over and over and over again, just to really kind of, you know, give it to them. I'm kidding about that last part. The rest is historically accurate. I want you to listen. This is an excerpt from 859 BC. This is an Assyrian king describing their post-war celebration. Listen, he said, I captured many troops alive. I cut off their hands and their arms. I cut off their noses, ears, and extremities. I burned their little boys and girls. Wickedness. I gouged out the eyes of many troops. I made a pile of their heads and hung them on trees all around the city. Truly wicked, wicked people, okay? The Ninevites were so notorious for their terror and torture that there are records of entire towns actually committing mass suicide when they knew the Assyrian army was on the way. That's how feared the Ninevites were. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah, go to Nineveh, <laughs> the capital city. This would be the equivalent of God telling you or me to go preach to the Taliban. I want you to wrap yourself in an American flag, get your biggest King James Version Bible and preach on the street corner in Iran. You'd be like, what are you, nuts, God? Here's my question. Has God ever asked you to do something that actually was totally crazy, that seemed impractical, ill-advised, maybe even downright dangerous? I don't want to compare um, Oklahoma to Nineveh, but there are some parallels, truth be told. Um, when I first watched Hillbilly Hand Fishing, I assumed they played up like the whole hillbilly thing, like these are just country people. No, they are hillbillies. Uh, sorry, Jackson, if you're listening. Jackson's a guy in the camo shirt. He is hilarious. We got to know him pretty well. He's worked his, li his life mostly as a welder on oil rigs, etc. And it was hilarious because when he met Tom, he was like, I never met a China man as loud as you. You're like Chong Lee, man, from that movie. And, uh, 
Tom's like, actually, I'm Korean. He goes, whatever, you're the Asian sensation. You know, he's like, there's no political correctness, okay, in southern Oklahoma. This is what we experienced our first day in the water. The secret fishing spot I picked for the first day will be a noodling baptism by fire for our newbies. A Red River tributary, East Cash Creek. Turn him back now, let's go. <laughs> East Cash, it's uh, known for leeches, a lot of brush. Oh, man. Falling down, mud to your knees. A lot of cotton mouth. Oh my gosh. That's not great. A lot of spiders. Every animal that is in the animal kingdom that could get at you is probably living in the East Cache Creek. Oh, oh, yeah. Hello. Oh, hey. Oh, wow. The party's starting. I mean, to be sewer water, this feels good, don't it? Uh, <laughs> East Cache Creek is extremely murky. It's muddy. It's dirty. The river is brown. The water is slimy. Like a spa treatment. <laughs> this ain't right. This isn't how God created water to be. What happens if I got to pee right now? I go downstream. <laughs> um, I kid you not, everything down there either bites or it's poisonous or it'll kill you. And they're like, don't touch that. Don't look over near that. In the f this is not exaggeration because I thought, oh, they play it up with the snakes and stuff. In the first five minutes in the water, we had three water moccasins swim past us because they use the creek as like a highway. That's how like they get, they get away. And, and, and like we're standing there in the snake and Jackson's like, all right, everybody stand still. You need to respect nature. And we're like, respect nature? We're like walking on water out of here. We're like scrambling to get up the riverbank. And uh, that first night we went to bed and uh, I'll never forget this because it's like past midnight, we're in our pajamas and this pickup truck comes squealing into you know, the gravel and everything and it's Jackson and he goes, come on out here, I want you to check this thing out. And he drops the door on his pickup and he has shot a wild boar that was tearing up his front lawn. Can you see that? That's Jackson. That's, if the, Jackson's the guy in the camouflage, if you can't tell us apart. That's his gun. And that's a white, can you show him a close-up of the pig here? This was a 300-pound wild boar ripping up his front yard. And he's like, I just shot him. Feel him. He's still warm. We, it was, Tom and I were wearing our pajamas. I'm like, what planet are we on? Animal planet, actually. Uh, it's crazy. You actually want to see a fun picture. This is Tom holding the gun. He looks so natural, doesn't he? It's like... <laughs> Needless to say, we were a little outside of our comfort zone. And after 48 hours, we just realized, like, how domesticated we are as men. You know, like, where we live. We, you know, we, like, get in our SUV, turn on the air conditioning. Let's drive to the mall, pick up at the soccer field. You know, you want, oh, you want Boris head? Sure, I'll go to the deli, pick some up, uh, you know, thin slice it. And, uh, and the idea is this, guys. At some point in your journey with God, the, the adventure of following Christ, he will sometimes ask you to do something you don't want to do. It's going to be like out of your comfort zone. We spent a week with some rednecks in Oakland, nowhere. But God sends Jonah to Nineveh, not just to, to visit, but to preach the word of God to some truly terrifying people, the original terrorists of the Middle East. They were sworn enemies of Israel, and it's still that way today. Do you know where Nineveh is located on a Google map? It's modern-day Iraq. It is the city of Mosul on the eastern bank of the Tigray River. And you begin understanding why Jonah ran. He's like, I don't think so, Lord. <laughs> I'm not going into that snake's nest. I'm not, you want me to go this way? I'm going that way. And at some point in your spiritual journey, every believer has this. 
The word of the Lord will come to you, and at some point, God's going to say, this is where I want you to go. This is what I want you to do. And you may be like, oh, God, thank you for speaking to me, but no thanks. Because it may be something you fear or an area of your life that you're like, God, you can have anything. I'll do anything you want. I'll follow you anywhere. Just don't ask me to do this one thing. Maybe somebody's wronged you or hurt you deeply, and, 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 and the word of the Lord comes to you and says, I want you to go forgive them. I want you to actually show, I want you to forgive your ex as I have forgiven you. And that's very scary, isn't it? That's a scary thing like to hear. Because instantly, you know, your humanity comes up and you say, I I don't want to forgive them. I don't want to make things right. It was their fault. They're my sworn enemy and I don't think they deserve it. Besides, you you don't know my ex. She's like the queen of Nineveh. You're like, you have all these objections. That was Jonah's objection. Did you know that? He wasn't just like scared. He was afraid his mission would be a success. He wasn't afraid of failure. God wanted Jonah to go preach to the Ninevites because he's like, I'm going to destroy them for their wickedness, but I'm a God of mercy. And so I actually want to give them every possible chance to to repent, to change their mind. And, and And then I can what? And Jonah was like, no, they shouldn't have a chance to change. They should be destroyed. Jonah, catch this, he was actually a racist because he was like, they're godless, awful pagan people. They're beyond hope. They're savages. Very, very self-righteous. Little Jonah and all of us. Because be honest, we sometimes think that about certain groups. Oh, no, you can't talk with fill in the blank. Radical Muslims. Angry atheists. Oh, you can't. They're hopeless. They're they're lost. They're godless. They're going to hell. Or, Or crazy Uncle Louie. Oh, don't even bother. You can't even talk to him. And God says, yeah, but I actually still love them. That's, that's my heart. I actually love them, and I want you to carry my message of forgiveness and hope in the hopes that they will actually turn from their sin and receive my grace. See, see Jonah's a story about sin and grace. Those, those are two words you're going to find a lot in the Bible. Let me make this real easy, give you a real simple definition. Sin, at its core, is running from God. Yeah? But grace is the chase. We run... God comes after us. Grace is God pursuing even the vilest, rudest, most disbelieving pagans on earth with his radical love. There's sin and there's grace. We run and God gives chase. And this is amazing because Jonah wanted Nineveh burned to the ground, but God wanted it saved because that's God's heart. That's God's heart. God's heart towards people who are far from him is actually not full of judgment, but actually is mercy. You, you may be here today, you may be like far from God. You've been running from religion because you're like, I, that's, I don't, I, they're Jonas. They're all self-righteous, judgmental people. That's who Christians are. And that's why you're running from religion. You're like, I, even being in church today, am I going to get struck by lightning? <laughs> because you're like, even being here is a huge step for me. And I'm guessing that there are people who are, are going to judge me or don't want to be near me. And plus, I think God's sort of angry at me. <gasps> My goodness, God has a word for you today. The word is Grace. He has been passionately pursuing you over time, over years and months and days through the person of Jesus Christ because he wants to give you grace. He wants to let you know, you can't run too far from me. I'm already there waiting for you. I want to forgive you. I want to welcome you back into my family. I want to be the father you've never had, who loves you, who accepts you, who actually will walk with you and speak with you, give direction to your life. I can actually heal your past, God says, and give you a new future. I can hook your life up to my eternal purposes. So if you're here today, you're far from God, do not let imperfect Christians like us get in the way of tasting grace. Sin is our nature, 
but grace is God's nature. We run, he gives chase. It's like the prodigal son. We saw this a couple weeks ago, right? We, we go to Vegas, we blow the family fortune and think father's gonna be mad and he's there with open arms. Come home, come home, my child, my daughter, my son. That's the gospel, guys. That's why, we're, that's why we worship. It's like, that's the greatest news in the world. Jesus didn't just come to establish a religion. Here's the rules. He came to die on a cross and cancel sin for everybody. He takes our sin on himself, and then we get a fresh start, a second chance. So Christians should be the most non-judgmental people in the world. But Jonah couldn't preach that message of grace because he was a stranger to it himself. He didn't have that kind of love or compassion for people who were far from God or, or out of his tribe. And therefore, he, he refused to offer the Ninevites the very thing that God gave him. So here's my question to you. I wonder what God is potentially asking you to offer him today. Is there an area of your life where you know what he wants you to do, but you're unwilling to let it go because of either sin or guilt or shame, or maybe it's fear or, or a sense of just inadequacy? I was talking with a woman recently uh, here at Liquid. She has a, uh, one of her closest relatives is, is dying. He's in the hospital, and uh, she felt like God was telling her, you need to go share the gospel with him, this idea of grace. God cancels your sins and welcomes you home in Christ. And she was like, Tim, honestly, I, I don't want to go because I know he hates the church. He grew up Catholic. He was stabbed in the back by a Christian partner, business person. And she was like, I don't want to go talk to him because I, I don't want to get my head handed to me. <laughs> Plus, why bother? I know what he's going to say. And the answer is you never know what God is asking you to do, how it's tied to his eternal purposes for redemption, for a second chance for people. And my friend was nervous, but she actually prayed and she trusted God and she went to see him. She shared humbly about the difference Christ made in her life. And she's like, Tim, I just feel like a burden got lifted because I'm just trusting God now with the outcome. I was like, yes, it's scary, but Christ can give you this courage. It, it, it required faith to move past her natural fear. Maybe you have a fear. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you feel like God is, is asking you to change jobs or, or change cities to move or something like that. I was talking with a guy, and he's like, I feel like God's like been drawing me out of my current position. He's pretty successful. He's like, I think God wants me to invest my life in something more meaningful than, than what I'm doing. And he goes, but it means less money, and that guy has me nervous. Totally honest. Get that. Maybe it means relocating to a new city. You know, we're like, I, I wouldn't know anybody there. Or you're, or you're like, God's drawing me on a missions trip, but I have a fear of, you know, flying or a fear of a third world country. Is there a move that God's asking you to make this morning? It's been whispering this. But, but, but you're kind of tensed up, but you don't realize it may be tied to the larger plan of redemption he's unfolding. And your obedience hangs in the balance. Again, this doesn't have to be epic, like, you know, you know world-changing. Maybe you're in, like, a relationship with somebody who you know is no good for you. You're like, I'm coming back. I'm trying to take steps to grow in my faith. I'm trying to walk with God. But she's, like, running the other way. I have this conversation all the time with single guys. You know, he goes, um... Tim, she's not really interested in God, but she's really, really cute. Um, and I, I'm praying she'll become a Christian, you know, this one. And it kind of goes like this. In, in God, we pray because we all know it's easier to become a Christian than to become really, really cute, uh, you know. So, so God, just stay out of that relationship. If you're walking with God, at some point in your journey, he will ask you to do something that you don't want to do. Because it's offensive or it's scary or it's out of your comfort zone. But mark this, it is a faith-defining moment. 
How you respond to God's word reveals the authenticity of your faith. Will you actually listen, trust, and then obey? Or hear his voice and run? Find a ship headed in a totally opposite direction. Because the truth is, you can always find a boat going in another direction. That's the second thing that Jonah tells us. You could actually hear God's voice and think, oh man, he's talking to me, I definitely need to do this. But then you meet up with some old friends who are like, dude, what are you ta- don't go that way. Come on back. Dude, let's, let's go back to where we originally were. If you're in recovery or you've had an addiction or struggling with that kind of thing, you know what I'm talking about, right? You're, the voice of your friends. Look how it happens with Jonah. It says, Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for where? For Tarshish. He found a ship bound for that port, sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. You guys know where Tarshish is? I'd be shocked if you did. Um, this is southern Spain, okay? This is 3,000 miles in the other direction. In other words, God is like, I want you to go east to Nineveh. So Jonah's like, I'm going west to Spain. This would be like, you know, I want you to go to New York. And you're like, I'm going to L.A. on JetBlue. Commentators say it would have taken actually over a year for Jonah to sail from where he was to where he was trying to run to. This is some serious running from God. And some of you can relate to this, yeah? You may be facing a challenge in your life that has you thinking about, you know, jumping ship. I met with two couples uh, recently at the church here. Uh, both of them struggling with relationship problems, no surprise. Uh, one is in a marriage, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's on the rocks, kind of falling apart. But, and the wife was telling me that her closest friends were actually telling her, dude, you, you got to get divorced. She goes, you got to dump hubby and abandon ship. She goes, that's what all my girlfriends are telling me. And I was like, why are they saying that? She's like, well, I know that God wants me to stay and, like, work on this, but I'm just tired of fighting, Tim. I was like, that's understandable. She's like, and I'm still young, and I don't want to, like, miss a second chance at, at happiness. And so we talked about the fact that there are no perfect marriages. <laughs> There's none, okay? And how God's desire is actually always for fighting for reconciliation. But the voice of her besties is very powerful. They're like, do not make up with him. He doesn't deserve you. We'll, let's go on a cruise to Tarshish. We'll get margaritas. They're like, you know how this works. You, you know how this, you can always find a ship to Tarshish and you can always find friends who will punch your ticket, who will give you the rationalization to support your tragic choice. The other couple's in the opposite situation. They've had recurring conflict. The wife actually wants to work things out in counseling. The husband is very resistant. I'm not surprising, guys. I don't love to talk about the feelings. So I just shared with her the difference that Christian counseling has made in, in, in our own marriage. And I thought, like, everybody had kind of come to the same page, and we even made a counseling appointment for them. But five days later, I find out they're actually leaving the state. They're moving. And I was like, what, moving? They didn't even say anything about this. And, and their friend actually said, they said, no, no, they just felt like they need to get out of Jersey, and they need a, a, a change of pace and a fresh scenery will kind of, you know, hopefully improve things. Yeah? Some of you who have been in counseling know this one. The only problem is wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> in other words... A change of port doesn't mean a change of heart. Only God can do the deeper work on the inside through his grace. Through his grace. So maybe the word of the Lord has come to you, and you have thought, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't want to face it right now. I'll deal with it later. The problem is this. Delayed obedience is really disobedience. I'll say that again if you're taking notes. Delayed obedience is really disobedience. I see this with my kids all the time. I have an eight-year-old uh, son. It's always an epic, you know, battle at bedtime and everything. I'm like, he's playing with Legos. I'm like, Dell, go brush your teeth. And he's like, okay, daddy. Play with Legos, play with Legos. Son, go brush your teeth. Okay. Play with Legos, play with Legos, play with Legos. Dell, I'm going to count. Oh, okay, daddy. Play with Legos, play with Legos. And I'm like, one, 
Two, play with Legos. Three, boom, he's right up the stairs and everything. I'm like, I told you I was going to count. And he's like, I can't hear you. I'm brushing my teeth, you know. And he's brushing away, brushing away. And we laugh because it's like it's an eight-year-old son. You get it, you know, diso- you think I'm pleased with this? It's like, this. oh, wow, I'm so proud. Delayed obedience is really disobedience. It's the same way between a father and a child, your heavenly father and his son or daughter. Erwin McManus actually says that the, 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 the key mark of spiritual maturity, like how deep you are, is about lag time, lag time. In other words, the time it takes somebody to hear the command of God and then obey the truth. In other words, the shorter the difference, I heard God and then I did it. I heard God, I think about it, maybe I'll do it, maybe I'll do it, maybe that wasn't God, I'm not sure. Immaturity. Uh, This summer I've been contacted by um, several dating couples who've been kind of convicted about uh, that whole living together thing. Remember we talked about this a few weeks ago? Um, no judgment. We just shared God's truth on sex within the commitment of marriage. We're like, we're not throwing rocks, but here's God's plan. And they contacted me because they're like, I felt really convicted about this because we want to like, do our relationship God's way. We want to get married, all of that. And, um, and I felt like God was saying, you know, we should move out before we're married. And, well, that was two weeks ago. And, and I don't know. I'm like, well, you know, where are you at now? And they're like, well, it kind of fell off the radar a little bit. I, I feel different now now that I've had a chance to think about it. And it's a big change, and so we're going we're gonna to pray about it. You know, we're going to pray about it. You know how this works, right? We all Christians use that one. We'll see how it plays out lag time. The time it takes between hearing God's word and actually obeying it. But Jonah and all of us. If I can talk honestly with you as your pastor, my greatest fear is that we've got a church full of folks with a lot of lag time. Here's, here's the truth of God. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. But Jonah and all of us. See, as, as you get to know God and you begin walking with him, he will start speaking to you and telling you to do things you don't want to do. And if you wait long enough, you can always find a boat sailing in another direction and actually risk missing out on the will of God for your entire life. God had an epic purpose for Jonah's life. It was part of his grand plan of redemption. We're reading this 3,000 years later. God has an epic purpose for your life that your obedience is tied to. I almost blew this with my wife, Colleen. I was in my, um, you guys know this, we met freshman year in college. There she is over there. And we dated for eight long years. Can you hear it from my wife? Yes. She has a moment of grace who knows about grace. She actually never lets me forget this. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, people go like, how long have you been married? And I'll be like, oh, we've been married 14 years. And she'll be like, we've been together 22. Uh, you know, just does the math. And I knew Colleen was the girl that God wanted me to marry, honestly. But I was in my 20s, and I was surrounded by, you know, most of my friends who were like, you know, don't tie yourself down, man. You got to keep your options open. And they were all about, you know, kind of partying and all of that. And honestly, I was like, that sounds right. I just got to, I got to stay. I knew what God wanted me to do, and I strung that poor woman along. <laughs> for eight long years and almost lost her because I was afraid to actually step up, take responsibility, and be the man I knew God wanted me to be. I almost lost the love of my life because of lag time, lag time, the the Jonah inside of Pastor Tim. There's a little bit of Jonah in all of us, isn't there? There really is. And I don't know what the situation is that you're facing this morning where God may, maybe it happened before you even got here, and you're like, oh, my goodness, this this is what that's about. That God's been, been, been nudging you on the shoulder, whispering in your ear, and he's been telling you to leave your comfort zone and trust and obey him without all the answers. I don't know what that situation is, but I know this. You have options. You can run from God, and here's the secret, though. You can never outrun God. 
you have a choice like Jonah. You can run from God. That is a legitimate option before you this morning. But the reality is you cannot run him. You cannot run the Lord. Our nature is sin. We run, but God's nature is grace. He gives chase. And while it's true, you can always find a boat sailing in the opposite direction. Wherever you go, there you are, and there God is. He's already there waiting to bring you back to him. See, that's, that's kind of the, uh, that's like the hook of the big fish story. We only look at the first few verses here today, the first part. This is like the setup of Jonah. But you've got to come back next week and see how he gets bit by the big fish and how Tom got bit by the big fish. You'll see this, all right? We're going to see. Sometimes God has to do some epic things to get our attention and bring us back. Sometimes he has to send a storm to get our attention. Sometimes our, our life has to go down to the bottom and think, oh, my gosh, I've hit the bottom before God says, no, you haven't. You can't outrun me. We're going to get to that. But this week, I wanted you just to think about one thing how this applies to you. Is there an area of your life today, this morning, that God is telling you to obey, but you've got lag time? I know many of you, because I love you, because we spend time together. A lot of you are facing crucial decisions in your relationships, your careers, your families, and, and, and you're like, I need the courage of Christ if I'm going to obey this. Is anybody facing a decision and you're like, I need courage to do this, I would need strength beyond myself today? Okay, a lot of people. Maybe he wants you to forgive somebody. I don't know what it is. But you, 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 to face your fear and reach out to your enemy, yeah? And you've been avoiding it. Remember this. Delayed obedience is really disobedience. And you've got to fix your relationship with God before you can fix any other relationship with anybody else. Or maybe you're the one in need of forgiveness. You're the one on the run. You've been sitting here. I see some of you smiling. You're like sipping your coffee. You're like, he's talking about me. I know, it's, right? It's weird. Um, you're, you're here this morning and you're like, that's my story. Did, like, did he read my email? You know why you're feeling like that? It's not because I'm a prophet or have like psychic powers. It's because Jonah's story is all of our stories. Everybody in this church at some point or another has run from God. And God's speaking to you and his word to you is timeless. And he's saying, even if you're running from religion or, or, or this whole faith thing, you're like, I don't have all the answers. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have every question locked down to take a step of faith and actually put your trust in Christ. You just need to hear the Father's invitation, and he's saying, come home, turn the boat around. It is not too late. Come home to grace. It is the best thing you could ever possibly do. I'm going to introduce you to a whole new life, not of rules, but of taking my hand and walking in freedom and trust. You know what the Bible says? This is like the most comforting verse to me. The Bible says, for all have sin. In other words, we're all in the same boat. <laughs> we have, including the pastors, you've seen this. We fall short of the glory of God, but here's the secret. Good news. We are justified freely by his what? Say it together. His grace through the redemption, the second chance that came by Jesus Christ. Our nature, guys, is sin. God's nature is grace. We run this way. He gives chase. In fact, he's already here. He's waiting for you. He's waiting to give you that second chance. That is what redemption is. You take something like old or broken or the mess that you've made, and God's like, I'm going to make this brand new. I'm going to do something you can't even see. This thing had to break apart and fall apart. You had to run away before you could taste grace. And all that takes is simple trust in Jesus Christ. What that means trust, trust is? And let me ask you that. Have you trusted Christ with every area of your life? Every area. Some of you trusted Christ a long time ago. You're like, I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. But I got this one area I don't want him in. 
He's like, can you believe I'm captain of the ship? I can get you where I need you to go. Would you trust me with that today? That's your step of faith. Others of you, maybe a friend invited you here, a neighbor, and you're like, my goodness, I got some brokenness in my own life. That is me, but I don't, I don't really like Christians. I'm not asking you to trust Christians. I'm asking you to trust Christ. He is the only perfect thing you will find in this world. There are no perfect Christians, but there is a perfect Savior, and he can cleanse you from the inside out, and he can give you a new path. In fact, that's why I give you a chance to do. Let's bow our heads, all our campuses. Just give you a chance to talk to God. Just quiet moment, holy moment. You can talk to your heavenly Father. If you've been running away in a certain area, just, t- just tell him about it. He already knows, <laughs> but he was waiting for you to acknowledge it. Father, I pray right now for your children, for your sons and daughters. We've all been runners. We've all been Jonah. And Father, thank you that in your mercy, you put your finger on things and say, come home. Father, I pray for those of us who feel like we're too far away from God, that we've run and you'd never find us. God, would you just right now, by your Holy Spirit, let us feel your presence. That is the Holy Spirit speaking to men and women on the inside. I believe that right now. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would pour your strength and your courage into your children and give us the strength to obey today. Tomorrow morning, this would make a difference. Keep our heads bowed. If you're here today, you're like, I don't know, God. This this feels awkward. You've never talked to God. You can just, you just, I'll give you some words. Ready? You can pray. Here's what you say in your heart. You just say, God, I'm a runner. And I'm far from you, but today I come home. Today I come home. Make me a child of God. I, I believe in you, Jesus. I ask you to forgive my sins. Make me brand new. Give me new life and the courage to walk with you. If that's you, you prayed that prayer, just, just give me a quick thumbs up. I just wanna, I wanna meet your eyes. I wanna welcome you to the family of faith. God bless you. Awesome for you. People coming home to God. Praise God for you. Another couple people over here. Father, I pray for new people at all of our campuses watching online. Lord, our friends down south, we welcome them into the family of God. There are no perfect people allowed because we've got a perfect Lord. And I thank you for grace today. Father, may they feel your pleasure with them as you welcome them home. We ask that all glory would go to your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And God's people said together, amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.